Section 18 of The Storm by Daniel Defoe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The two following letters, coming from persons in as great danger as any could be, are placed here as proper to be called deliverances of the greatest and strangest kind from on board a ship blown out of the downs to norway sir i cannot but write to you of the particulars of our sad and terrible voyage to this place you know we were by my last riding safe in the downs waiting a fair wind to make the best of our way to portsmouth and there to expect the lisbon convoy we had had two terrible storms, one on the Friday before, and one on Thursday, the one the 18th, the other the 25th of November. In the last I expected we should have foundered at an anchor, for our ground tackle, being new and very good, held us fast. But the sea broke upon us so heavy and quick, that we were in danger two or three times of foundering as we rode but as it pleased god we rid it out we began to think all was over and the bitterness of death was past there was a great fleet with us in the downs and several of them were driven from their anchors and made the best of their way out to sea for fear of going on shore upon the Goodwind. The Grand Fleet was just coming in from the Straits, under Sir Cloudsy Shovel, and the great ships being designed for the river lay to leeward. Most of the ships that went out in the night appeared in the morning, and I think there was none known to be lost, but one Dutch vessel upon the Goodwind. But the next day, being Friday in the evening, it began to gather to windward, and as it had blown very hard all day, at night the wind freshened, and we all expected a stormy night. We saw the men of war struck their topmasts, and rode with two cables an end, so we made all of us snug as we could and prepared for the worst in this condition we ridded out till about twelve o'clock when the fury of the wind increasing we began to see destruction before us the objects were very dreadful on every side and though it was very dark we had light enough to see our own danger and the danger of those near us about one o'clock the ships began to drive, and we saw several come by us without a mast standing, and in the utmost distress. By two o'clock we could hear guns firing in several parts of this road as signals of distress, and though the noise was very great with the sea and wind, yet we could distinguish plainly in some short intervals, the cries of poor souls in 
extremities. By four o'clock, we missed the Mary and the Northumberland, who rid not far from us, and found they were driven from their anchors. But what became of them? God knows. And soon after, a large man of war came driving down upon us, all her masts gone, and in a dreadful condition. We were in the utmost despair at this sight, for we saw no avoiding her coming thwart our hazer. She drove at last so near us that I was just going to order the mate to cut away. When it pleased God, the ship sheared contrary to our expectation to windward, and the man-of-war, which we found to be the Stirling Castle, drove clear off us, not two ships' lengths to leeward. It was a sight full of terrible particulars, to see a ship of eighty guns and about six hundred men in that dismal case. She had cut away all her masts. The men were all in the confusions of death and despair. She had neither anchor nor cable nor boat to help her, the sea breaking over her in a terrible manner, that sometimes she seemed all under water. And they knew as well as we that saw her that they drove by the tempest directly for the good wind, where they could expect nothing but destruction. The cries of the men and the firing their guns, one by one, every half minute for help, terrified us in such a manner that I think we were half dead with the horror of it. All this while we rid with two anchors ahead, and in great distress, to fire guns for help, I saw was to no purpose, for if any help was to be had, there were so many other objects for it, that we could not expect it, and the storm still increasing. Two ships ahead of us had ridded out till now, which was towards five in the morning, when they both drove from their anchors, and one of them coming foul of a small pink, they both sunk together. The other drove by us, and having one mast standing, I think it was her main mast, she attempted to spread a little peak of her sail, and so stood away before it, I suppose she went away to sea. At this time the raging of the sea was so violent, and the tempest doubled its fury in such a manner that my mate told me we had better go away to sea, for twould be impossible to ride it out. I was not of his opinion, but was for cutting the masts by the board, which at last we did and parted with them with as little damage as could be expected, and we thought she rid easier for it by a great deal. And, I believe, had it blown two hours longer, we should have rid it out, having 
two new cables out, and our best bower and sheet anchor down. But about half an hour after five to six, it blew, if it be possible to conceive it so, as hard again as it had done before, and first our best bower anchor came home. The mate, who felt it give way, cried out, We are all undone, for the ship drove. I found it too true, and upon as short a consultation as the time would admit, we concluded to put out to sea before we were driven too far to leeward, when it would be impossible to avoid the good wind. So we slipped our sheet cable, and shearing the ship towards the shore, got her head about, and stood away afore it. Sail we had none, nor mast standing. Our mate had set up a jury mizzen, but no canvas could bear the fury of the wind. Yet he fastened an old tarpaulin, so as that it did the office of a mizzen, and kept us from driving too fast to leeward. In this condition we drove out of the downs, and passed so near the Goodwin that we could see several great ships fast aground, and beating to pieces. We drove in this desperate condition till daybreak, without any abatement of the storm, and our men, heartless and dispirited, tired with the service of the night, and every minute expecting death. About eight o'clock, my mate told me, he perceived the wind to abate, but it blew still such a storm that if we had not had a very tight ship, she must have foundered, as we were now farther off at sea, and by my guess might be in the midway between Harwich and the Brill. The sea we found run longer, and did not break so quick upon us as before. But it ran exceeding high, and we having no sail to keep us to rights, we lay wallowing in the trough of the sea in a miserable condition. We saw several ships in the same condition with ourselves, but could neither help them nor they us, and one we saw founder before our eyes, and all the people perished. Another dismal object we met with, which was an open boat full of men, who, as we may suppose, had lost their ship. Any man may suppose what condition a boat must be in, if we were in so bad a case in a good ship. We were soon tossed out of their sight, and what became of them any one may guess. If they had been within cable's length of us, we could not have helped them. About two o'clock in the afternoon, the wind increased again, and we made no doubt it would prove as bad a night as before. But that gust held not above half an hour, 
all night it blew excessive hard and the next day which was sabbath day about eleven o'clock it abated but still blew hard about three it blew something moderately compared with the former and we got up a jury mainmast and rigged it as well as we could and with a mainsail lowered almost to the deck stood at a great rate afore it all night and the next day and on tuesday morning we saw land but could not tell where it was but being not in a condition to keep the sea we run in and made signals of distress some pilots came off to us by whom we were informed we had reached the coast of norway and having neither anchor nor cable on board capable to ride the ship a norwegian pilot came on board and brought us into a creek where we had smooth water and lay by till we got help cables and anchors by which means we are safe in place your humble servant j adams from on board the john and mary riding in yarmouth roads during the great storm but now in the river of thames sir hearing of your good design of preserving the memory of the late dreadful storm for the benefit of posterity i cannot let you want the particulars as happened to us on board our ship we came over the bar of tenmouth about the blank blank having had terrible blowing weather for almost a week insomuch that we were twice driven back almost the length of newcastle with much difficulty and danger we got well over that and made the highland about cromer on the north side of norfolk here it blew so hard the wednesday night before that we could not keep the sea nor fetch the roads of yarmouth but as the coast of norfolk was a weather shore we hauled as close cromer as we durst lie the shore there being very flat here we rode wednesday and thursday the twenty fourth and twenty fifth of november we could not reckon ourselves safe here for as this is the most dangerous place between london and newcastle and has been particularly fatal to our colliers so we were very uneasy i considered that when such tempestuous weather happened as this seemed to threaten nothing is more frequent than for the wind to shift points and if it should have blown half the wind from the southeast as now blew from the southwest we must have gone ashore there and been all lost for being embayed there we should have had no putting out to sea nor staying there this consideration made me resolve to be gone 
and thinking on Friday morning the wind slackened a little, I weighed and stood away for Yarmouth roads, and with great boating and labour got into the roads about one in the afternoon, being a little after flood. We found a very great fleet in the roads. There was above three hundred sail of colliers, not reckoning above thirty sail which I left behind me, that rode it out thereabouts. And there was a great fleet just come from Russia, under the convoy of the reserve frigate, and two other men of war, and about a hundred sail of coasters, hullmen, and such small craft. We had not got to an anchor, moored, and set all to rights, but I found the wind freshened, the clouds gathered, and all looked very black to windward, and my mate told me he wished he had stayed where we were, for he would warrant it we had a blowing night of it. We did what we could to prepare for it, struck our topmast and slung our yards, made all tight and fast upon deck. The night proved very dark, and the wind blew a storm about eight o'clock and held till ten, when we thought it abated a little, but at eleven it freshened again and blew very hard. We rid it out very well till twelve, when we veered out more cable, and in about half an hour after, the wind increasing, let go our sheet anchor. By one o'clock it blew a dreadful storm, and though our anchors held very well, the sea came over us in such a vast quantity that we was every hour in danger of foundering. About two o'clock the sea filled our boat as she lay upon the deck, and we was glad to let her go overboard for fear of staving in our decks. Our mate would then have cut our mast by the board, but I was not willing, and told him I thought we had better slip our cables and go out to sea. He argued she was a deep ship, and would not live in the sea, and was very eager for cutting away the mast, but I was loath to part with my mast, and could not tell where to run for shelter if I lost them. About three o'clock abundance of ships drove away and came by us, some with all their masts gone, and foul of one another in a sad condition. My men said they saw two foundered together, but I was in the cabin, and cannot say I saw it. I saw a Russia ship come foul of a collier, and both drove away together out of our sight. But I am told since the Russia man sunk by her side. In this condition we rid till about three o'clock. The Russia ships which lay ahead of me and the men of war who lay ahead of them 
fired their guns for help. But twas in vain to expect it. The sea went too high for any boat to live. About five the wind blew at that prodigious rate that there was no possibility of riding it out, and all the ships in the road seemed to us to drive. Yet still our anchors held it, and I began to think we should ride it out there, or founder, when a ship's longboat came driving against us, and gave such a shock on the bow that I thought it must have been a ship come foul of us, and expected to sink all at once. Our men said there was some people in the boat, but as the sea went so high, no man dost stand upon the forecastle, so nobody could be sure of it. The boat staved to pieces with the blow, and went away, some on one side of us and some on the other. But whether our cable received any damage by it or not, we cannot tell. But our sheet cable gave way immediately, and as the other was not able to hold us alone, we immediately drove. We had then no more to do but to put afore the wind, which we did. It pleased God by this time the tide of ebb was begun, which something abated the height of the sea but still it went exceeding high. We saw a great many ships in the same condition with ourselves, and expecting every moment to sink in the sea. In this extremity we drove till daylight, when we found the wind abated, and we stood in for the shore, and coming under the lee of the cliff near Scarborough, we got so much shelter as that our small bower anchors would right us. I can give you no account but this, but sure, such a tempest never was in the world. They say here that of eighty sail in Grimsby Road, they can hear of but sixteen, yet the rest are all blown away. Here is about twelve or fourteen sail of ships come in to this place, and more are standing in for the shore. Yours, etc. Abundance of other strange deliverances have been related, but with so small authority as we dare not convey them into the world under the same character with the rest, and have therefore chose to omit them. THE CONCLUSION The editor of this book has laboured under some difficulties in this account, and one of the chief has been how to avoid too many particulars. The crowds of relations which he has been obliged to lay by to bring the story into a compass tolerable to the reader.
and though some of the letters inserted are written in a homely style, and expressed after the country fashion from whence they came, the author chose to make them speak their own language, rather than by dressing them in other words, make the authors forget they were their own. We received a letter, very particular, relating to the Bishop of Bath and Wells, and reflecting upon his lordship for some words he spoke, that he had rather have his brains knocked out than etc., relating to his inferior clergy. The gentleman takes the disaster for a judgment of God on him, but as in his letter the person owns himself the bishop's enemy, fills his letter with some reflections, indecent at least for us. And at last, though he dates from Somerton, yet balks setting his name to his letter. For these reasons we could not satisfy to record the matter, and leave a charge on the name of that unfortunate gentleman which he being dead could not answer and we alive could not prove and on these accounts hope the reverend gentleman who sent the letter will excuse us also we have omitted though our list of particulars promised such a thing, an account of some unthinking wretches who passed over this dreadful judgment with banter, scoffing, and contempt. Tis a subject ungrateful to recite and full of horror to read, and we had much rather cover such actions with a general blank in charity to the offenders, and in hopes of their amendment. One unhappy accident I cannot omit, and which has brought us from good hands, and happened in a ship homeward bound from the West Indies. The ship was in the utmost danger of foundering, and when the master saw all, as he thought, lost, his masts gone, the ship leaky, and expecting her every moment to sink under him, filled with despair, he calls to him the surgeon of the ship, and by a fatal contract, as soon made as hastily executed. They resolved to prevent the death they feared, by one more certain, and going into the cabin, they both shot themselves with their pistols. It pleased God the ship recovered the distress, was driven safe into blank, blank, and the captain just lived to see the desperate course he took might have been spared. The surgeon died immediately. 
there are several very remarkable cases come to our hands since the finishing this book, and several have been promised which are not come in. And the book having been so long promised and so earnestly desired by several gentlemen that have already assisted that way, the undertakers could not prevail with themselves to delay it any longer. Fini. End of section 18. And end of the storm by Daniel Defoe.